Chelsea Fairless. And welcome to another episode of And Just Like That. I almost said And Just Like That. (laughs) And Just Like That, another Every Outfit episode. Yeah. I'm so excited that we can talk about the trailer. Finally. Finally. It finally dropped. Although, I mean, let's be real. We didn't see a lot that we hadn't already seen in paparazzi photos, right? Like we already saw the scene where the girls are standing outside of Natasha's apartment and she's in the window and stuff like that. And oddly enough, it did not look too dissimilar to the paparazzi video we saw of the filming of that. I don't know whether to thank or bless HBO Max for turning us into those like Marvel YouTubers. We literally stopped the trailer frame by frame to analyze it. Well, you have to because it's basically a montage. You know, we it's, it's mostly the Carrie voiceover. We didn't get a lot of dialogue from the scenes except for, you know, when the when the hostess chick was like, ladies, your table is ready. Well, can you blame them? I mean, as of this week, they are still filming. It's airing December 9th, which was a real shock. So I have to assume that those are completed scenes from the very first few episodes. Yeah. So thoughts? I mean, after watching the trailer, I think the person who came out on top was the PR girls from Oscar de la Renta because they got (laughs) not one, not two, but three separate placements in the trailer alone. We have two separate scenes where Charlotte is carrying a branded Oscar de la Renta garment bag. And then we have Lily wearing an Oscar de la Renta dress for her piano recital. I mean, this video has been viewed like over a million times on our account alone. I can't imagine how much people have seen this. And, you know, that's amazing placement. How do you think Petrovsky feels about his friend Oscar getting so many great (laughs) placements in the end just like that trailer? I'll I'll tell you the few things that took me by surprise. One of which is it seems that Sarah Ramirez's character Che and Carrie co-host a podcast. So I guess our theory that Carrie says something problematic on Che's podcast is incorrect. They seem to be doing a NPR-esque two-hander. Do you think so though? There are two separate shots of Carrie with Che, and Carrie's in separate outfits. So what's the likelihood that Carrie's doing separate guest spots on Che's podcast? I don't know. Maybe they're going on each other's podcast. Who knows? I mean, there was a lot of Sarah Ramirez in this trailer. It was Sarah Ramirez performing at Webster Hall. Sarah Ramirez looking at Miranda in a way that you only look at people who you want to fuck. Let's be real. (laughs) I feel very vindicated as a Miranda truther after having seen this. Yeah, the only kind of truther in modern society that won't get you tossed out of polite company. (laughs) Totally. Also for Miranda, I noticed there were two separate shots involving Miranda in the subway. One of her coming out of the subway, subtext, who knows, uh, and then one of her just on the platform talking to someone. Yeah, what is this, a campaign ad for her uh, 2018 gubernatorial (laughs) Run. Our girl is is taking the subway now. Look, inflation's up. The economy's tough. I mean, Ubers are really fucking expensive in New York right now. And the other thing that I noticed is a very brief shot of Anthony at brunch with the girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a revelation. Do you think it's too emotional to have put Stanny in the the trailer? I think so. I think so, too. It caught me off guard and depressed me. If he had been in it or the fact that he wasn't in the trailer? No, the fact that he was in the trailer. Oh, that's right. They're walking together at the recital. Yeah. I did enjoy, there's the shot that we saw from, of Carrie and Big in their kitchen that was a press photo that had previously been released, but I think someone left this as a voicemail. I'll have to go back and try to find it, but someone theorized that Big dies because Carrie cooks for him and and accidentally kills him with like raw chicken or something. Well, in this scene, it looked like he was the one that was cooking. It was like he was like chopping asparagus or some shit. Yeah. And in the first film, she's like shucking corn while he's cooking. (laughs) 
People talk about the regressive dynamics between Big and Carrie, but he's always been the one to cook. It's true. Put men back in the kitchen is what well, I kind say. Of all of Carrie's boyfriends love the kitchen, right? Oh, yeah. Like Aiden, Aiden loved the kitchen. Petrovsky. Yeah. Petrovsky was like, fuck it. We're not going out. Let's let's go to this kitchen and whip up a meal. What else did we learn? We assume that Charlotte and Harry are still together because they're seen together in multiple scenes. We only got one scene with Miranda and Steve, which was like a three-way hug with her, Steve, and Brady. So it was more of a family thing and not so romantic. Did you notice where that scene was taking place? No. Where was it? In the closet. Uh, uh. She's coming out of the subway. She's hugging Steve and Brady in the closet. She's disappearing into a tablecloth in that picnic scene, which I didn't notice until like my 10th viewing of the end, just like that trailer. But there's this scene where the girls are eating at a picnic table. Miranda's wearing this plaid outfit. The tablecloth is plaid, and it is like the craziest optical illusion you've ever seen. I can't tell where Miranda starts and the table ends i think we had this conversation off podcast but i do think your theory for miranda's storyline for the first season of and just like that is correct which is she's not going to be out and queer immediately that that's probably going to be the storyline for her throughout the season and yes i believe that her and steve have probably broken up before and just like that starts because i don't think they want to derail miranda's marriage with this affair it kind of would taint the relationship in a way that i don't think people would want you know even though many relationships start that way let's face it miranda did you have an affair <laughs> They did release it a month before it's going to air, which is perfect for our kind of attention spans. But how did you feel that it's going to be dropping on a Thursday and not a Sunday? Because that threw me for a loop. I know. I was expecting Sunday, too. But this isn't HBO. It's HBO Max, baby. And we drop series. Thursday's the new Sunday for HBO Max. Get with it. Also, Bobby Finger from Who Weekly noted that the logo for And Just Like That uses four separate typefaces, which I never <laughs> consciously thought about because it's the HBO Max logo is part of it. So that's like two sans serifs. Then we have the And Just Like That is in the font that we're used to seeing for Sex in the City, the movies, stuff like that. But then they actually put the word Sex in the City in this weird like fake handwriting script that has completely come out of left field. On Friday, Britney Spears' conservatorship, which began in 2008. 2008 when the financial crisis happened. It's even older than uh, Taylor Swift's Red. <laughs> was dissolved, so she is now in control of her estate and her persons. This was granted with no further medical or psychological evaluation of the singer. Thank fucking God. I hope that the people who helped free Britney bring this energy to the 2022 midterms... <laughs> Can you imagine they're um, they're outside uh, the White House with those like pink glitter cannons? (laughs) Today's your last day, Mitch, honey. Get the fuck out. (laughs) So Spears spent her first weekend sipping champagne for the first time in 13 years. I guess she was wasn't allowed to drink alcohol. Actually, this is really depressing. Oh, God, I didn't know that. Oh, having access to her car keys owning an ATM card, seeing cash, and she said buying candles. She loves candles. I mean, but when I think of Britney and candles, all I think is how she burnt down her gym because she lit some candles. (laughs) So I guess those weren't candles she bought herself. Maybe that's why she couldn't have the candles anymore. She was using Yankee Candle Company because that's all her dad would let her have. And now she can go into Diptyque and buy whatever the fuck she wants. I mean, I love Britney, but something tells me even with all the money in the world, she's still a Yankee Candle girl. Uh, Did you see the rumor that Britney might be doing an Oprah tell-all? Of course. This is all I've wanted for her, apart from her freedom. (laughs) Where do they do those? Because they all seem like they're in Oprah's backyard. They are. They're in different parts around her house. Like there's sometimes like the Adele interview that she did this week was in her 
Rose Garden in Montecito. A lot of times, like the Super Soul Sunday conversations happen underneath these two oak trees that she has in her backyard. So she has many different locations. Can you imagine Brittany going to Oprah's vegetable garden and doing her dance videos for Instagram? Oprah's like, get the fuck away from my eggplants, you crazy bitch. (laughs) And then what else? Yeah, this was a real uh, jam-packed Thursday, Friday for what the New York Post historically called the Bimbo Summit. Do you remember that? Yes. Speaking of, Paris Hilton got married. Sadly, Brittany was not freed in time to go to her former BFF Paris Hilton's wedding. Hilton married venture capitalist Carter Milken Riam at her grandfather's Bel Air estate. The bride wore Oscar de la Renta, so maybe... Such a big day for Oscar de la Renta, or such a big week, I guess. Such a big 36 hours. So Hilton got in under the, I'll call it the Enid Frick wire. Enid Frick being Carrie's Vogue editor, who stated in the first film, 40 is the last age a woman can be photographed in a wedding dress without the unintended Diane Arbus subtext. Bitch, wait until you see J-Lo and Ben's wedding photos. You're going to take that back. That is the one line from the first film that is still this day I think about, to the point that when I saw Paris Hilton, I was like, I wonder what Enid would think. Well, Paris is an exception. I think Enid was thinking about how women aged in a pre-Instagram world. Right. And, you know, it's a very dark comment, although there is a degree of truth to it once you get to be a certain age. Although I think that when older people get married, it's like the most heartwarming thing ever. I also think about how she says Diane Arbus as Dion Arbus. Yeah, like Dion von Furstenberg or something. <laughs> or Dion Warwick. Yeah, it's like, is that how we're supposed to be pronouncing? I thought it was Diane Arbus. Can someone call it and tell us if we're doing this wrong? Yeah. And then to round out the updates regarding the infamous bimbo submit of 2007, Lindsay Lohan is starring in a new Netflix holiday rom-com. Great. Here's the weirdest thing. They released a still, and I was like, oh, great. Can't wait to watch it in the background while I'm cleaning next month. It's not coming out till next year. Oh, that's stupid. Anyway, she will be playing a young, question mark, and newly engaged hotel heiress gets into a skiing accident while suffering from amnesia. She finds herself in the care of a handsome lodge owner and his daughter in the days leading up to Christmas. Sounds magical. I know this has been tough for you, Chell, because you've just been like white knuckling it until we can talk about Taylor Swift. Because this was the most important thing that happened to you on Friday. Yes, yes. I don't even know how to talk about Red Taylor's version because I easily have two hours of material and I know that you don't really give a shit. Although you did come with me to the Reputation (laughs) Tour in 2018. I was the only person with black hair. You were the only. You (laughs) were were the the only people that didn't have like full on like ombre blood. (laughs) or weren't like literal children it was a great show what can i say yeah i noticed you aren't wearing the long sleeve shirt that i got you that evening but instead you're fully decked out in folklore merch okay i tried to find my reputation shirt but i couldn't find it so yeah i'm literally head to toe folklore for this f folklore hat folklore shirt folklore socks you look like Joe Goldberg from You, but like if he was obsessed with Taylor Swift. I didn't actually buy any of this stuff. A friend of mine works with Taylor. So every once in a while I get, you know, I get some excess merch tossed my way, which I very much appreciate. Wow. I love how you just got that in. You're like, yeah, I know someone that works with Taylor. It's no biggie. I mean, I just don't want anyone to think I spent like $200 <laughs> on the amount of shit I actually have on my body right now. Where do you want to begin? I guess we should just provide a little bit of context for people that are not that aren't a Swifty and don't have a Swifty in their life yes so last week Taylor released Red Taylor's version which is a re-recorded version of an album that she released in 2012 originally she's re-recording her catalog which is worth an estimated 300 million dollars because it was purchased by her arch nemesis Scooter Braun who is former manager of Kanye current manager of Justin Bieber So she's re-recording her albums and then adding a bunch of B-sides and newer songs for her fan army. And adding lyrics. She's like, but wait, some stuff has happened in nine years. (laughs) Yeah, the original album had 16 songs. The new one has 30. So it's a lot. It's a lot for your average person. So I will say that from 1989 on is kind of where my relationship with Taylor begins, which is Mm -hmm. right before Red. And you've had to take... No, that was after Red. It's Taylor Swift, (laughs) Fearless, 
Speak Now read 1989 right. Reputation Lover. Yes. Folklore? Yes. That's where we are right now. That's where we are. Well, evermore, but we don't need to talk about that evermore. <laughs> Anyway, you've had to divide up Taylor's discography for me based on boyfriend. So I understood that Red was about Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, it's mostly about Jake Gyllenhaal, who she dated for only three months when... I can't lie. I get it, okay? And I feel like you're starting to understand for us creative women, men are really for writing fiction about our brief passion and ultimately doomed relationships with, okay? Yeah. So this part about her, I totally get. Totally. Yeah, it's mostly about Jake Gyllenhaal. There's one song that's that was the original closer of the album called Begin Again that was, I believe, was about that random Kennedy that she dated for a minute. Who was 17 when she was 23, but okay. Ooh, talk about grooming. <laughs> I know. Allegedly. Taylor's Swifties. team is very litigious. So I thought the most famous song when Red originally came out was We're Never Getting Back Together, but it seems like the fan favorite is All Too Well. Yes, All Too Well is very, very important to Taylor Swift fans. It was never a single, although she did perform it at the Grammys. And it chronicles the rise and fall of her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. It happened. We saw the photos. We saw the scarf. It happened. It's one of her best songs, period. It's a beautiful song. And it was perfect. The original five plus minute version was perfect to begin with. For the reissue, she has released a 10 minute version, which... I don't know. What did you think about it? Well, I did enjoy the lyric that seems to be a pointed comment to Jake Gyllenhaal. Because in the original All Too Well, she makes reference to the fact that whomever this boyfriend is, probably Jake Gyllenhaal, said the relationship didn't work out because of the age difference. But cut to now, Jake Gyllenhaal is dating a woman now 15 years younger than him. There was a nine-year age difference between he and Taylor. He and this current girlfriend, 15-year age difference. And when did they meet Chelsea? When she was 21. And through you, I understand that Taylor Swift on her 21st birthday was stood up by Jake Gyllenhaal. I also think it's important to note that Taylor Swift had allegedly been saving herself for marriage and allegedly lost her virginity to Jake Gyllenhaal, who then dumped her shortly thereafter. Because Taylor is the most, and I mean that Swifties in the best way possible, I'm sitting across from a Swiftie right now, that she then made a short film, Taylor that she directed right that has a very Jake Gyllenhaal looking actor <laughs> he doesn't look that much like Jake Gyllenhaal he has facial hair all street men look the same to you <laughs> how are you fighting me on this it's true I really liked the music video I really liked the SNL performance when I initially heard all too well the 10 minute version I don't think it necessarily improves on the original version I think the original version is tighter and stronger. It's also kind of jarring to have the emotional crescendo of the song, which is when she says, uh, you called me up again just to break me like a promise, land in the middle of the song instead <laughs> of at the end of the song where it belongs. However... Chelsea, don't you understand story structure? That's the midpoint, baby. You got to reset the world. Well, she added like five different bridges to, <laughs> to make this work. I don't think the 10-minute version is a better song, but I do think that it made a lot more sense to me when I saw the video and when I saw the SNL performance. As crazy Swifties, it gives us more information about what happened in this relationship. So it's important for that reason. I know this is a minor point, and this wasn't added for the Taylor version, but are we supposed to believe that Jake Gyllenhaal had a keychain that said, fuck the patriarchy? There's various interpretations <laughs> of that. Some people think that, other people think it's just kind of, it's two opposite things in a single verse, you know? She's saying, fuck the patriarchy, and then she's also saying that he threw his car keys at her feet. And then what is this song and music video that was directed by Blake Lively that you were sending me all these TikToks about the lesbian subtext of? Okay, that's two separate things. The Blake Lively video is for one of the new songs from Red, which actually sounds more like a song from Speak Now, but no one really cares about it. Like when it came out, like no one, it wasn't like a fan favorite. Like everyone was kind of talking about the song that she did with Phoebe Bridgers and the version of Better Man, which was a song that 
she wrote and gave to the country band Little Big Town and they recorded and was quite successful for them. Anyway, no one cares about this song, which is called I Bet You Think About Me, I think. The video was not okay. I don't, I'm not even going to put it in the show notes because I just don't want to bring awareness to the fact that this exists. But the song that has a lot of lesbians really excited is another new song, which is called The Very First Night, which it's really hard to explain this without playing the song, which we can't do because it will prevent us from being able to upload this episode to Spotify. But basically all of the verses in the song rhyme until it gets to the very last line where fans believe that she changed the word her to the word you to make it not about a woman. One of the lines is no one knows about the words that we whispered. No one knows how much I miss you. But it would rhyme if it said no one knows how much I miss her. And the her is allegedly... Carly Kloss. (sighs) Look... I am a Kaler truther, full disclosure. I'm sorry, what? Um, well, that grainy video of Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift allegedly kissing in the VIP section of a concert is my personal version of the Zapruder film. Like, it's... <laughs> like, I could paint that shit from memory. You know what I mean? I didn't know you believed this genuinely. Look, okay. If Taylor Swift is going to les out... It's going to be with Carly Kloss because Carly Kloss, I imagine, kind of represents her own personal beauty ideal. And sometimes straight chicks will have a random hookup if the chick is hot enough. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. (laughs) Do you? As I say that all straight women are lesbian from the tits up. The tits up. The waist up. Yeah, waist up. From the waist up. All straight women are kind of gay. (laughs) I agree. We'll kiss a woman, but we know what differentiates, you know, us from you. You know where to draw the line. (laughs) In conclusion, I think this album, the Red Album, is really amazing. But as a lot of critics have pointed out, it was always front-loaded. Like, the first half of it is perfect. It sort of starts to deteriorate in the back half. And then with Red Taylor's version, there's just so many new songs and like a lot of them aren't that great. Well, I kind of think that's beside the point because really for me, that's like a medium Taylor fan. What I love about this album is that she's effectively fucked over Scooter Braun. There was a Financial Times article because, you know, he didn't have 300 million to buy this. He and the venture capital group, Carlisle Group, helped fund this sale and then they sold it to someone else. And now they're terrified that they're not going to get their return on investment because who's going to listen to the original versions instead of listening to Taylor's versions? There is a quote in the article that says they didn't really think she was going to go through with it. And it's like, do you understand women? But also, do you understand how hellbent on revenge this woman is? Yeah, I feel like even if, you know, it's not the strongest album, I feel like you should listen to it just to fuck the patriarchy. Well, I don't know if you're a novice Taylor Swift fan. I would not recommend listening to Red Taylor's version in its entirety, which is why I've created Red Chelsea's version, which is a... (laughs) A Spotify playlist that I will link to. I have kept the first half of the album intact. And then the back half of the album is made up of the songs that I feel like are the best newer songs. And then I have, of course, included the 10 minute version of All Too Well, because although I don't think it's where the album should necessarily end, I think it's important. So consider that to be a bonus track. Ooh. It's so funny because like, as I believe I've said on this podcast before, I was a late in life Taylor Swift fan. It was the Red Album that radicalized me as a Taylor Swift fan. And I always thought like, I think I never really connected with her because I was like, oh, she's too basic. She's just so much of a basic white girl, like completely forgetting that I'm also a basic white girl. So of course I was going to get into this. I know I was a holdout until reputation and then I like fully went in. Well, also, I think you have to give yourself permission to sort of look past her public presentation. If that doesn't appeal to you to look past her cringier lyrics, like it feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters and make fun of our exes, which is in the song 22. Once you can let go of that and really get into it, you'll realize that Taylor Swift is a musical genius. So what you're saying is Taylor Swift is like an ayahuasca trip. You just have to like let go. 
and just succumb to it. And then just start like violently vomiting and <laughs> shitting simultaneously. <laughs> That's what happened when I listened to the 10 minute version of All Too Well. So on Wednesday, the fashion world was rocked with the news that Daniel Lee was leaving Bottega Veneta or Bottega asked him not to come back. There isn't a ton of details about the real reason about what went down. Right. They just released a statement that was like, our collaboration has ended. It's like, this was more than a collaboration. You were the head designer for like three years. And also, it's not like at the end of the season, it's effective immediately. Yeah. So Women's Wear Daily has mild tea. It seems that key operations people and staff members at the factories were quitting in droves. That and this Detroit fashion show he had were kind of the proverbial last straws. Well, what went wrong with the Detroit show? I don't know. Again, the Women's Wear Daily, this is why it's mild tea. The Women's Wear Daily article is just like unnamed sources. One says that a key operations person at the factory quit, and that was the last straw for Keurig, which is the parent company that owns Bottega. And then another person said that it was the Detroit Fashion Show. Also, if anyone has any tea about this and wants to call into the hotline, that would be amazing. Also, I wanted to offer, we can put that voice filter over your audio so it has that like witness protection program vibe if you want to remain completely anonymous. Yeah, it would sound something like this. I think Chelsea Fairless is a piece of shit. See, no one knows. I think Lauren's a fucking bitch. <laughs> Could you tell it was us? All right, so what I'm getting is Daniel Lee was a bad hang. Yeah, I mean, he's not like leaving to start his own brand because that's too annoying, financially difficult, and... He wouldn't have the production and distribution resources that he currently has. It's also not like these big fashion houses don't deal with big personalities. Right. These companies are used to managing people that are literal nightmares. Because Bottega was doing well. It's not like he was acting terrible and the company was not making money. So for them to take the step that they'd rather lose this designer that was bringing them a bunch of money. That made them fully relevant again after years of basically being a brand that's associated with older kind of boring rich ladies I guess the barrier to entry is not as scary for them because they saw with Gucci which is another brand they own that just promoting from within can work just as well as getting a big name yeah but then it's like what happened with Celine they could have just promoted Daniel Lee from within and Celine would have just continued to be Celine and who knows what would have happened with Bottega Wow, the butterfly effect, but it's the fashion industry. (laughs) (laughs) If Daniel Lee was promoted at Celine, I imagine some sliding door scenario where we both have pixie cuts right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, as we hinted at a second ago, they did promote from within Mathieu Blasi will be the new head designer of Bottega. He was already there. He was already there. He's worked at Margiela. He worked under Raph Simmons, I believe for his namesake line and at Calvin Klein worked under Phoebe Philo at Celine I mean what a fire LinkedIn profile (laughs) I doubt he has a LinkedIn profile and truly in the modern era that is the (laughs) ultimate power move do we want to take guesses as to where Daniel Lee's going next well we know it's not caring brands right that's true If nothing else, we've learned that Daniel Lee is probably a bad hang. So I think he is persona non grata to any of those brands under that umbrella. Yeah, which means he's going to LMVH or what was Michael Kors' burgeoning conglomerate called again? Capri Holdings? Oh, right. How could I forget? He's going to Capri Holdings. A lot of people have said Burberry, which I'm sure Ricardo Tishi feels weird about that one of like, hey, I think that would be great. I would love for Burberry to be a brand that I care about again. Although I will say that maybe while the total vision of the brand doesn't speak to me, I've seen some really beautiful pieces here and there from it. I mean, Ricardo Tishi is obviously a very talented designer, but there's something about it that just hasn't landed, in my opinion. If you look at the top designers who have gone to these venerable houses, they all have strong accessory backgrounds, Daniel Lee included. And so I think where he would fit really well is Hermes. Right. Because they're obviously known for their bags and where they could really step up is the ready to wear. Although I hate that because Bottega is already the most expensive brand and Hermes is like the only brand that's even more expensive. So it would be even less attainable to 
all of the, you know, let's face it, younger, poorer consumers that want to be able to buy into his brand. Well, no, you just don't like this because you didn't fuck with Hermes before. Now you will like Hermes and not be able to buy anything. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of Hermes. Um, I mean, the Gautier and Margiela years, certainly. But uh, the only thing that really speaks to me about it now is the packaging for their makeup, which Pierre Hardy designed, which I think is really fucking fabulous. You mean the nail polish? Yeah, it's nail po- I think they just have nail polish and lipstick, but... I might be wrong. Yeah, I'm very sad we were not invited to that nail polish activation. I would have loved to have gotten my nails done at Hermes. (laughs) But I will say that I do actually own two Hermes lipsticks, and it's never felt more painful to buy $80 lipsticks, but... I gotta Wait, tell- are they eighty dollars? Yeah, but goddamn, are they good, Chelsea? <laughs> they fucking better be. <laughs> they also do your taxes, so <laughs> it's a real two for one. I personally would like to see Daniel Lee revive the House of Halston. Can you imagine? Ooh, I know it's never going to happen, but you know he's already been riffing on Halston's archives in his recent collections for Bottega. It is a classic minimalist brand. It's a brand that never did really have iconic accessories associated with it because so that's something that he could really bring to it while also just creating the most fabulous ready to wear we've ever seen. Do we need to start a fashion and social media related branding and creative strategy agency? No, but we can. If anyone wants to pay us to uh, ramble on about this shit, we're happy to do so. If you would like to see our fashion ramblings in a PDF form, we can provide that for you for a nominal fee. So we're going to try something a little bit new. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Tell us on the hotline. (laughs) Growing up, I was always really obsessed with the Oprah's Favorite Things episode, which for those of you who never saw these, were these holiday episodes where Oprah would reveal her favorite products and then give them away to the studio audience. And the audience would freak the fuck out because they would be getting tens of thousands of dollars of free shit, basically. And it sounded something like this. How about we meditate on this? Unfortunately, we are not going to give you guys shit, but we are going to talk about our favorite things, all of which are under $100. This is not sponsored, by the way. These are products that we use and love. There are photos and links to everything that we're talking about in the show notes. And let's start on a high note. Our first favorite thing is really highbrow, but also kind of slutty. It's my favorite fashion book of the year. It is Vivian Westwood Catwalk, The Complete Collections by Alexander Fury. We are so fortunate to be joined by the author today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for asking me to come on and hawk some product, which I'm very happy to do so. Of course. We love it. We love shameless hawking on the, on the Every Outfit podcast. So you are the fashion features director for another magazine. You are the menswear critic at the Financial Times, a prolific commenter on our Instagram account. Indeed. But we want to know how how you identify. Are you a Carrie or a Charlotte? I used to think I was a Carrie, and I think I'm a Carrie in terms of the fashion I purchase. But in terms of my attitude and the fashion I wear, I think I'm probably a Miranda who's maybe borrowed Carrie's handbag. So tell us about your book for our listeners who haven't seen it and for those who are unfamiliar with the Catwalk series. So the Catwalk series is basically a a selection of books that chart different fashion designers and different fashion houses. Um, The idea is that they're pretty much comprehensive they start with the first catwalk collection uh, or runway collection for the for the US and run all the way through to whatever was the most recent when they were published which um with the Vivian Westwood catwalk book it was exactly um 40 years since her first runway collection uh, which was pirate in 1981 obviously she was working before that through the 1970s um but this starts with the first of her shows. Um, and also kind of, I don't know if I could say uniquely, because there are obviously other living designers, but Vivian is very much 
alive and kicking and opinionated and involved. And um, luckily she did like what I had to say about her. Um, she went back and edited some historical quotes of hers, which I found very interesting. She decided she <laughs> hadn't said certain things in 1985. She'd said something else, um, which is Vivian's prerogative. Vivian is sounding quite like a Carrie to me. <laughs> um, I don't think Vivian would identify as kind of a Sex in the City character. I think she would possibly identify as like, you know, Madame Bovary or something, if you asked her to kind of be a Sex in the City character. It's, um, yeah, it, it's not really her gig, I don't think. So we couldn't help but notice that Carrie's wedding dress is prominently featured in your book. Could you give us the backstory behind this gown? The Carrie wedding dress was actually called the Cloud Wedding Dress, and it's from a collection called um, Wake Up Cave Girl from Autumn Winter 2007. Um, it's it's interesting because the um, collection is is based around, you know, kind of prehistory and prehistoric powerful woman. Um, and actually, um, the corset that Carrie's dress is built on is called the Wilma corset after Wilma Flintstone. Um, because the the idea was kind of to sort of deal with fabric in a very sort of rough, rudimentary way. So it's kind of folding fabric and pinching fabric as opposed to cutting it. So it's really about kind of um, quite a sort of primitive way of, of dealing with cloth. Um, but obviously it results in these kind of quite grand shapes. Um, because with Carrie's wedding dress, I think one of the interesting sort of debates about it is loads of people saying, oh, it could have fitted much better around the bust. Um, and the whole idea of this collection was to kind of fold fabric and make it look like, like you have this kind of enormous kind of pneumatic figure. So it's just sort of folded and make your, your boobs look bigger and make your hips look bigger um, and just really kind of emphasize this sort of cartoonish Wilma Flintstone silhouette. Um, it's in ivory silk duchess satin and ivory silk uh radzimir satin for the skirt um and yeah it's you know uh westwood were the people that chose the images that went into the book and they were very insistent that this was a really important piece you know for the collection but also in terms of the kind of history of the house um and you know whenever they offer it it, it sells out straight away you know whenever it, and and they said you know it is what people come to them for people still come and want this dress Alexander, thank you so much for joining us. Please come back or leave us some fashion show reviews on the hotline. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You can purchase Alexander's book for $77 at VivianWestwood.com or at the online retailer of your choice. So if Alex's book is a little out of your budget, we have a more inexpensive alternative, which is Miss Piggy's Guide to Life. It's out of print, but you can buy it online for about $10. In this book, Miss Piggy shares her wisdom about fashion and dieting and basically just living your best life. The photographs are amazing. Yes, and if you're a fan of our book, We Should All Be Miranda's, Miss Piggy's Guide to Life was a huge inspiration for that book. It's really, really fabulous. It's such a cute gift, and buy it for your friends. It's fab. <laughs> Okay, so my pick is the Pillow Cube Pro, which is currently $87. Sexy. Uh, all right, yeah, I get it, guys. Look, <laughs> is my pick sexy? No. Is it functional? Of course. And I know we all have people on our gift list that are impossible to shop for, and I'm willing to bet that they are side sleepers, okay? <laughs> and I, as an unrepentant side sleeper, have tried them all, and this is by far the best. I love how this isn't Spawn, but like, wow, <laughs> you are really bringing the energy. You know why? I'm a side sleeper. Like, why did, haven't you given me one of these? Great. You've just spoiled your presents. Okay, Fab. So what's the vibe? Is it like foam or feathers or? I don't know what it is, but this is what makes it different is it fills up that neck hole perfectly. <laughs> love that. So this next favorite thing is something I just purchased recently. It is the Edie Parker Flower Cherry Pipe. It is a glass pipe shaped like a cherry that is extremely fucking cute. The website says that it's for uh, tobacco use only, but we all know that that's bullshit. This is for marijuana, which happens to be legal in the great state of California. <laughs> See, I've always been nervous to use a pipe because I don't know how to clean it. 
Yeah, that's one thing about pipes is they do get like really disgusting. I do know how to clean it, which is, okay, I'm going to turn full Bill Nye right now. And by Bill Nye, I mean Bill Nye the science guy, not Anna Wintour's current boyfriend. Basically, what you do is you buy nail polish remover. It has to be 100% acetone. Then you buy like a coarse salt, like I use an Epsom salt. You combine these things, whatever quantities, it doesn't matter, into a like a Ziploc freezer bag, drop the pipe in, shake it, and it, it like disappears like magic. It's full science fiction shit. Wow. Now I want a public access show <laughs> where you're just showing how to clean various marijuana paraphernalia. I will put the instructions in the show notes for anyone that has like a disgusting pipe that needs to be cleaned. It took me years to learn this shit. Uh, but I I like prefer smoking out of pipes because joints I just smoke like cigarettes out of habit and then I end up getting really paranoid and high and like I turn into like Natalie Portman in the end of Black Swan basically um it's fucking dark you shoved me against a mirror but really actually you shoved yourself <laughs> I take too many hits off the joint and I'm like writing in lipstick like on the mirror in my whore. bathroom <laughs> I'm writing whore Everybody always wants to know, what are you giving for Christmas? Well, today I'm going to tell you. Our next favorite thing is very near and dear to our hearts. It is the single and fabulous candle that we made in collaboration with the amazing Philadelphia-based boutique Yowie. It is launching next week on Tuesday, November 23rd, but we want to give our listeners a sneak preview. You can see the candle in the show notes, and we are very excited to talk about it with the founder of Yowie, the fabulous Shannon Maldonado. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Thank you for having me. So first and foremost, we need to know which Sex in the City character do you relate to the most? Oh my God. I hate that I'm I'm probably like half Carrie, half Charlotte. I want to be a Miranda, but I don't know if I'm really a Miranda. Okay. So for our listeners who are unfamiliar, tell us about your store. Yowie is a home and lifestyle shop. Uh, we also, I would say, are a sometimes design studio. So we do a little bit of interior design and we just start doing some product design. Um, but we are really colorful and carry a really cool mix of modern home goods apparel, books, um, some beautiful robes, and just anything that really kind of brings joy to your life is kind of our ethos. So I was a fan of your candles, which is why I reached out to you about doing a collab. And that was like early pandemic. I love that that was my response to this collective trauma, which is like, let, let me hit up Shannon so we can make a really fancy candle. I love it. <laughs> we went through a really long and intense fragrance development process. This is not something that we just slapped a label onto. So give our listeners a, a preview of the scent. Yeah, the scent is somehow we figured out a way to have something smell amazing that's inspired by heartbreak and feeling not so fabulous, but it smells incredible. It's got notes of rose geranium, sandalwood, oak moss, like are you, I'm getting turned on. I don't know if you're getting turned on. Tonka bean, <laughs> ylang ylang, patchouli. Like it's it's so nice um, and it burns really evenly as well. We were testing them at the shop and it smells great. Yeah, the candle really smells amazing. It was a labor of love for all of us. Um, I designed the graphic for the candle. Shannon and her team did an incredible shoot for it, which you'll see next week. And it smells fabulous. All of our listeners should buy them as holiday gifts. You know, support women-owned businesses. I love it. Girl boss. Girl boss is winning. It's the Miranda thing to do. You're kind of like the ultimate girl boss. And I mean that in the least disparaging way possible. What you're doing with Yowie is really amazing. And I know you're on the precipice of a crazy expansion. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. It's uh, it's very exciting. We just turned five this summer and my other pandemic baby was trying to figure out a way to change our business to add more of a hospitality angle. So next year we'll be launching a bigger version of my store, a cafe that hopefully will be like a day to night cafe and then a um, hotel above my store, which is insane. Because when I started this five years ago, my dream was like, oh, maybe we'll become, maybe I can finesse my way into the ACE or something and or the line be their gift shop so it feels truly full circle to be like oh we're gonna have our own hotel and our own gift shop that serves it so it's very exciting so we're expanding a few blocks away in philly to a nine thousand square foot space that opens if all goes according to plan next fall i can't wait to have you over 
Well, we can't wait to stay there. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. The single and fabulous candle is launching on Tuesday, November 23rd, and it's available exclusively on our website and shopyowie.com. We suggest if you are a West Coast buyer to buy it from everyoutfitinc.com. And if you are an East Coast buyer, buy it from shopyowie.com. Yeah, support your local girl boss. Whoa, now that is a showstopper. So we really didn't want to promote products from Amazon, but then we remembered that all of you guys use it anyway, so who the fuck cares? Last year, I gave all of my friends this lip-shaped ashtray that I got from Amazon. You literally just go to Amazon and search lips ashtray. There's like millions of them. They're between $10 and $14. They're very like Tom Wesselman, very pop art. It's really cute, really cheap, highly recommended. And that's so weird, Chelsea, because you said you got all your friends this ashtray, but I didn't get one. Well, you don't smoke. You don't even smoke weed. So like, what are you (laughs) going to do with it? You also have like, in Lauren's house, it's like everything is neutral colors. Like it's like goop shit up in here. It's really funny. I, um, Lauren's walls are painted this sort of like grayish color. And even after living here for six months, I did not realize that the paint is different in every single room. It's just slightly different uh, shades of like grayish, basically. Well, speaking of my grayish minimalist aesthetic, the next thing I want to recommend is the Mod Wash Number One. Mod is a very aesthetically pleasing sexual wellness company that also makes some of the best bath and body products. Full disclosure, my friend Eva is one of the founders of this company, but it genuinely is the best. So what is this wash for? Like your pussy? Body wash number zero actually has no scent and it is for your lady parts. That was actually my introduction to these pH balanced body washes. Am I the only person that gets like full body shivers whenever someone says lady parts? Anyway, if you're like me and love a musky body wash, this is for you. This is the thing that made me put down my Necessaire Bergamot body wash. (laughs) So the top notes are lemongrass and clove, mid notes of cedar leaf, and base notes of amber. Medjool dates? Did you know that medjool dates have like five Weight Watchers points? I know that means nothing to you, but... And they're also very sugary. That's why I know that they're... Because I love to put them in my smoothies. Anyway, you know... (laughs) You know what has no Weight Watchers point? The medjool dates that are in this body wash. (laughs) This body wash is $22. There's a whole range of products. I highly recommend. They will look beautiful in your friends' bathrooms. If you don't believe me, believe Dakota Johnson, who recently became an investor and co-creative director of the company. Believe the uh, Ellen DeGeneres truther Dakota Johnson. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Her aesthetics are impeccable, guys. Yeah. Have you seen her AD house tour? I wanted to have something designer on this list. So we've included the Prada water bottle, which you can buy for $85. It's actually the cheapest thing at Prada. I got one last year and I love it. And if you're someone who goes to the gym regularly, unlike me, this could really like elevate your look on a daily basis, you know? Or if you don't go to the gym like either of us, it really elevates your car. You know, just putting that in the little cup holder. Yeah, exactly. It's chic. It has a little, um, what's that hooky thing called? The clip that rock climbers use. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There we go. So we couldn't do our favorite things segment without bringing it back to the Kardashians. Well, one Kardashian in particular, but let's play the theme. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. (laughs) So I love my... Arthur George, YOLO socks. Just kidding. And I want to recommend Scott Disick's basic line, Talentless. (laughs) No, I'm sure you guys can imagine who we are doing unpaid spawn for yet again, which is uh, Miss Kimberly Kardashian's iconic Skims line. I personally love the Skims soft lounge slip dress, which is basically like a ribbed jersey maxi dress, like spaghetti straps. It's not like sexy, sexy, like a negligee, but it's not like totally asexual, like pajamas. You know, it's kind of like in between. It kind of makes you feel like a 90s supermodel or something. I know this is like one of the few Skims items I don't actually own. It's so good. You have to get it. And also it's like I may have invoked 90s supermodels, but I think it would look good on women of all sizes. Skims is has inclusive sizing, goes up to 4X, which is really fucking cool. 
And then for me, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I've talked about how amazing their cotton jersey t-shirts are. Is this the one where like you don't have to wear a bra? I don't wear a bra. And when I told you and our friend Maya that your hands went for my tits and then you stopped yourself and I said, no, it's okay. You can touch. I stopped to ask consent, Lauren. (laughs) That's true. I don't wear a bra. My tits look incredible. If you don't believe me, listen to this lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's actually really, it's a stunning feat of engineering. And also, you know, friends of mine that have like really big tits have said like the strapless bras are incredible. Just FYI. Again, I know someone in the Kardashian-Jenner circle has to listen to this podcast Just, we're not even asking for Spawn or appearing in one of those weird uh, YouTube pre-roll ads for Skims. (laughs) Just, we'd love to be on the PR list. Yeah. So, to wrap up the podcast, do we just want to, like, briefly run through the Kardashian news of the last five days? Yeah. I've been so busy with the end, just like that trailer and with Red Taylor's version that I haven't even, like, kept up with the Kardashians. So from memory, Chell and I are just going to tell each other what happened this week with the Kardashians. Okay, well, I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is that 10 people are dead after attending Travis Scott's Astroworld Festival. Travis Scott, who is Kylie Jenner's baby daddy, but thankfully not married to him. It's tragic. Yeah, I mean, there's There's nothing else to say about it. It's just it's fucked up and and wrong. Um, Also, in recent days, it's come up that W Magazine apparently had a Travis Scott, Kylie Jenner cover planned uh, for this month, which they've now had to scrap. Apparently, there were some insensitive cover lines, which I would really love to know what that was. Because you know it was something like, it's Travis and Kylie's world and we're all just living in it or something like that. And we can't wait to be stomped by their astro world. Ugh. Please someone leak that cover. Someone leak the cover. I'm actually shocked that it hasn't happened yet. I hope it doesn't happen between the time when we record this podcast and when it it actually goes up. What else? Kendall attended her friend's wedding and was a bridesmaid, but then for the reception switched into a dress that would make Pamela Anderson blush. I don't even know how to describe the dress. It's like black lycra was like fighting to cover her body. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. It it truly like defies description. You know she fucked up because in the selfie she took, Hailey Bieber is next to her and she looks like an FLDS member with what she's wearing (laughs) compared to what Kendall's wearing. It was a bold choice. Kim and Pete? Kim and Pete are still happening. There's a photo of them that was making the rounds on the internet yesterday of Kim, Pete... And Chris, all wearing matching plaid skims pajamas with Flava Flav. I was about to say, why are you omitting the most? Because he wasn't wearing skims pajamas, Lauren. That's why. (laughs) What is happening? I don't know. What else? Are we missing anything? If we're missing anything, it wasn't important enough to log in our memories. And I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, I guess we've reached uh, the end of the road. Guys, this has been a jam-packed show. We hope you enjoyed this. Thank you to Alex and Shannon for joining us. Thank you to everyone who's been calling into the hotline. We love hearing your calls. And next week, for Thanksgiving and the release of House of Gucci, we're doing a special episode about crimes in the fashion world. Yes, fashion-related crimes. Not crimes of fashion. No, no, no. Not like Billy Porter's outfits. (laughs) But like actual crimes. Guys, it's going to be our very own mysteries and scandals. Get excited. (laughs) There's murder. There's shoplifting. Theft. Missing persons. Impersonating others. Lesbian stalkers. And more. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.